at what happens in the world around us, as we know that Jesus reigns, we know that everything is all right. Amen? Amen. He's in control. Nothing is out of control. Hallelujah. Amen. So we can rest easy. I said we can rest easy. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank God for, amen, this preaching moment. Amen. We want to go to the book of St. Mark chapter 8. St. Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read from verses 34 to 38. Eighth chapter of the book of St. Mark. And I think I am reading from uh, the 34. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And this is reading from the New King James Version, uh, beginning at verse number 34. When he had called, his, called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous, adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I just want to talk this morning about being a disciple of Jesus Christ, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void. It will accomplish all that you desire. And I thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you, Father, for sending your word to us today. Thank you, Father, for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives as we seek to be your disciples. Have your way. Be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that I pray and I thank you. Amen. 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 Being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at the person sitting next to you, if you don't mind, and say, person sitting next to me. Bishop is going to talk about being a disciple of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there will be something that you will learn today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I know this is a text that I've probably preached from a, a lot of times in my years of ministry and, and probably talked about it some before I left. But, you know, as I was praying about a message this morning to bring to you, this is the direction that the Lord led me in. Amen. Um, there's a lot of things that, were on, that was on my heart, on my mind, but the Lord, as I laid last night and prayed and got up this morning, uh, the Lord gave this to me to share with you. Amen? Uh, I've just made some notes, and I'm going to share with you the things from this text that the Lord has shown me. Because, you know, as we talk about this whole issue of Christianity and being a Christian, it's not so much about 
being a Christian as it is being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And, and, and being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is much more than a verbal, uh, a verbal acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Amen. It's much more than about knowing about Jesus. Amen. Uh, the demons know about Jesus. Amen. The demons know that God is God. Amen. Amen. They know he's sovereign. So just to say that I believe in Jesus does not mean that, that, that uh, you know, that we are his disciple. Amen. Being a Christian is more than joining the church. Amen. Uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Amen. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, I want us to hear this, and I want us to hear this good. Amen. Uh, because this is something that the Lord has been dealing with me about. Um, I, I, I was sharing with our minister's class this morning. I've been, I've been in the church all of my life. Amen. In the, in the assembly of believers. Amen. Uh, when we say the church, I'm speaking of the body of Christ. In the, in the assembly of believers, as long as I can remember, uh, I have gone to worship. Amen. Uh, my parents took me as a little child. Amen. And I grew up, and I didn't grow up to, to, to deny the faith of my parents. I, I grew up and embraced the faith of my parents, but I wanted to know more um, and it started out with just going to different congregations and being a part of worship and and you know just loving just loving something about something about the gathering of believers amen it, it was different for me i i didn't didn't like nightclubs i mean we had a little we call them jute joints in our community and I went when I was old enough to go, and my parents would let me go. I basically went to keep an eye on my sisters. Amen. Praise, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, hallelujah. Amen. It was something about my sisters that I wanted to make sure they were all right. You know, you know, I, I, you know, you know, that, and, but, but, but that was not my joy. My joy was not going to clubs. My joy was going to worship. Amen. That's why, and I shared this with you, that I, I made myself a commitment because we worshiped second and fourth Sunday. We went to Sunday school every Sunday. And, you know, I don't think that was an issue my daddy had with me about going to Sunday school because I like learning the Bible, learning about the Bible. Um, but I made the commitment that when I was old enough to get my driver's license, I wanted to be in worship every Sunday. So I would go to different churches on first and third Sunday because I wanted to be in worship. There was something about the gathering of the saints that, that and I didn't know it was a gathering of the saints, all right? I'm speaking now from an adult perspective, but, but as a teenager, there was something about this gathering that interested me, amen, and I liked it. I liked the songs. I liked the prayers. I liked meeting the people. And, and, and it, it, just, it, just, it drew me in. It, it, the, the Spirit of God drew me in, even though there was a lot I didn't know. <clears throat> I'm going somewhere with this, so just, just follow me. 
Amen. Uh, There was a lot I didn't know. You know, we were in our minister's class this morning, and the class was talking about the text and how it fits, and the guy just gave just a wonderful um, description about the text that you choose to preach, uh, that the Holy Spirit leads you to preach from, and he talked about it being, you know, like a porch, and he talked about how you know, he, he enjoyed porches. I can't tell you all of that. It was just wonderful. And how we'd get up in the morning and go and sit and drink coffee on the porch and how what porches are intended for and how, you know, even today people really don't need porches because we don't have time to go and sit. But he talked about that and going to a friend's house and, and sitting on the porch and then deciding to get up and step back and, and look at the house and looked at all the intricate details of how the porch, which had been added to the house, had been built and added to the house and stepping back and looking at all of the intricate, intricate details of how the porch had been been built and 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 connected to that house and 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 in talking about that he talked about how sitting on the porch you know sometimes you you have time to drink your coffee or tea or whatever you drink you know your iced tea or your coca cola or your you know <laughs> <laughs> um, but times of reflection times of reflection you know and, and introspection and how. Even though it seems to be an outdated thing, porches are still important today, you know. But he tied all of that into the preaching and to the text and how even today we need to step back and, from the text and look at the story of the Bible, you know, because the Bible is, a, is, a, is, 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 a, is an overarching story of God's work in, in the history of mankind uh, through Jesus Christ to bring us to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, about what God is, was doing in the world. And, and we don't always see the whole picture until we're able to step back uh, from that text and see how all of the intricate details are put together to, to make this a, 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 a whole story story and how this text fits, how this porch fits to the rest of the house. Amen. So this text, amen, fits into the story of the Bible. Now, I said all that to say that when I was younger and I was reading and, and, and as a young person, I taught Sunday school, but I didn't really understand a whole lot of things, you know, but we learned some things and we learned passages of scripture as we went along and we didn't really understand all of the, all of the, all of the details. Of, of, of interpretation and, and, and context and, and, and text and, and, and how all of this fitted in. But over a life of walking with the Lord, yeah. amen, over a lifetime of walking with the Lord and coming to the place where I have read the Bible through, the whole Bible through over the years in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it has made all of the difference in my life. Now, I'm not a perfect person. Amen? I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I'm telling you that I have learned some things about being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and what I see is that a lot of times in the church, we are people who have picked up on certain things, you know, and, and, and they've majored on certain things that they really should have minored on, and it comes from a lack of understanding of what it is to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, because many people in the church have never read the whole Bible. Never read the whole Bible and never read it ten times. So if I don't go back to this book over
over and over and over again and not just sit in the kitchen, all right, or not just sit in my bedroom or not just sit in my living room, but I sit on the porch of whatever the Lord has given me if the Lord has given you a particular scripture that resonates in your spirit and you sit on the porch with that text and you, 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 you see how that text fits into the whole story, but you can't see how the text fits into the whole story unless you know the story. And if you don't know the story of the Bible, then it becomes very difficult to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because being a disciple of Jesus Christ is more than being a member of the church. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is more than being baptized. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is more than receiving what some of us call the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I say some of us call because sometimes what we've called the infilling is not really the infilling. Because if we're really filled with the Holy Spirit, there are things that the Holy Spirit is going to do in us. The Holy Spirit is going to create in us a hunger for the Word. Amen. The Holy Spirit is going to stir in us a hunger for the Word. So if you tell me that you're spirit-filled and there is not this, 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 this deep craving in your spirit, man, for the Word of God, there's something wrong with that picture. Because the Holy Spirit is going to make you hungry for the Word. He's going to make you so, so, so unsatisfied, so, so empty when you're not in that Word, amen, that, 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 that in that, in that, it's, it's like, you know, you haven't eaten in five days and you got to have some food or you're going to starve to death. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is going to create that hunger. He's going to create that thirst. He's going to create that desire, that insatiable desire for the Word of God. Amen. The, being filled with the Spirit is more than speaking in tongues or prophesying or preaching. Amen. The, being filled with the Spirit of God is going to make you hungry for God. It's going to make you hungry for the Word of God. And you're not going to be satisfied with just the kitchen. You're not going to be satisfied with just a with just a but with just a bedroom. You're not gonna be satisfied, amen, with just a living room. You've got to see the whole story. And the only way you're gonna see the whole story is that you get out of your business of life and you sit down with this word, amen, day in and day out, and you read it over and 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 over again. So Jesus, when he came on the scene, when God had sent him into the world, he knew that there was work that had to be done. He knew that there were things that had to be challenged in people's lives. Amen. And so he, he selected these 12 men to follow him because his mission was short. Amen. And there had to be some people who he mentored, who he prepared to carry on the mission. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's what he did with these 12 men. But in the process, even though we called them disciples, we called them disciples because they were following Jesus. Jesus. 
The Bible really doesn't call them apostles until later on. Watch the words. Pay attention to the words. So, so they, were, they were following Jesus, but only 11 of, 11 of them were really his disciples. One was the son of perdition, Judas, who betrayed Jesus. The Bible called him the son of perdition, the son of the devil. Amen. So in the preparations, there are some things that had to take place. And so this is what Jesus did with these 12, with these 11 men and others that, that followed him. Because remember, in, in the book of Acts, after Judas has killed himself, uh, before they went on, before the infilling of the Holy Spirit, before the, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the disciples were in the upper room, and they had to choose one to, to take Judas' bishopric. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me just throw a note in, and I don't care who disagrees with me, because it's not really important. Amen. I know I'm on Facebook Live, and that's why I say that. It, it's not really important that you disagree with me, but remember, Acts said that they needed someone, someone to fulfill Judas's bishopric, his leadership role, you know. So everybody that's so hung up on being apostles, <laughs> that's not really important. Amen. You know, the important thing is that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, you get it in this whole debate of whether the apostles are greater than the, are higher than the bishop, the higher office than the bishop or what have you. But, but the early church fathers realized that wasn't a big debate. And, 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 and so one of the requirements of being an apostle was that you had to have seen Jesus face to face. You had to have walked with Jesus. That was a requirement for being an apostle. Amen. And so the early church fathers realized this, that, 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 that after Paul, who was the only one who had really experienced this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus that the Bible had recorded, and Paul realized he's an apostle to the Gentiles, then the early church said, well, then the, 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 then the church leaders who are bishops will walk in the role of the original apostles. So the bishops took the role of the original apostles. So, you know, just for folk that got to be apostle, you know, you know, that's really not important. You need to be doing the work of the ministry. Because when you get to heaven, the Lord is, doesn't have a special place for the apostle. He doesn't have a special place for the bishop. He doesn't have a special place for the minister, for the elder. You need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. All right. All right. All right. So, so, so Jesus realized that some things had to take place. Now, you may say, Pastor, why you say that? Well, pay attention to the message because there's some things that have to take place in all of us if we're going to be Jesus' disciples. And remember that if you just became a member of the church, if that's all you wanted, that's all you got. That's all you got. But if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, then you, you enter into a lifelong journey of different events in your life, exciting, some painful, some hurtful, some disappointing, uh, 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 some, most of them very challenging, but it's to bring you to the point that you are a true follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. It doesn't happen overnight. 
Discipleship does not happen overnight. Discipleship does not happen just because you say, Lord, I want you to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. Lifelong. Lifelong. Lifelong, that's going to bring a whole lot of changes in your way of thinking and your way of living. Amen. Amen. Why do you say that? Here I am, 63 years old, pastoring for 40 years, and I see change in my life. Things that I did, and you've heard me say this before, things that I preached, things that I said when I was younger in ministry because I had grown up in the church and I've read parts of the Bible. Parts. Parts. Amen. Most of us know the 23rd Psalm. Sometimes we learn 1 Corinthians 13. Sometimes we did. Sometimes we learn some of the other scriptures, you know. Most of us have just these little verses that we know. Most of us never learn books of the Bible, recited books of the Bible. Whoop, ministers, get ready, because we're just getting ready to learn whole books of the Bible. Amen. Amen. To be able to memorize whole books of the Bible. How many of you know, know you, you, got a, you got an anthology of songs in your mind that you know the words of every song? How many people got an anthology of songs? You know what an anthology is. Tell the truth. You get, raise your hand. I want to see hands. You know songs. Some of y'all don't know songs. I didn't say bad songs, good songs. I said songs. <laughs> we, know, we got an anthology of songs that we've learned over. Sing all of the words to them. How many of us know an anthology of Scripture? But we are shaped by what we receive in our minds. The Bible says that we are to be renewed Where? And so part of the problem with discipleship and being a Christian is that we've come into the corporate body, but we've never allowed our minds to be transformed by the Scriptures. This is deeper than taking my messages home and listening to them over and over and over again. God's Word is active and alive. God's Word is spirit and life. So what I need is not the sermon every Sunday. I need the sermon too. But what I need is the Word of God in me. When I read my devotionals in the morning, I have to go back and make sure that I read the Scriptures that go along with the devotional. Because the devotion is only going to pick up some of what's in the Scripture. I need the whole Scripture. Because it's the Scripture that is active and alive. Amen. 
All right? So after all I say to you on a Sunday morning, you need to go back and get the Scripture and memorize it. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and what I realized is, as I was praying about this thing and thinking about some things yesterday, uh, being a disciple of the Lord is much more than knowing the doctrine. Because we can know the doctrine, okay? But it's much deeper than just knowing the doctrine. Praise the Lord. Amen. People can know about a car, and they can know about the engine, they can know about the carburetor and, the, and, the, and, 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 and all of the other little things that go along with the car, but they don't know how to drive the car. So it's much more than knowing the doctrines of the Bible. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, it takes me to a deep place, a place deeper than, than where I am, a place deeper than where most people are. As a matter of fact, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I can't even compare myself to other people. I can't say I know as much as this person or I know more than that person. Amen. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I got to go to where Jesus is. And being a Christian is being with Jesus and following Jesus, meaning being where Jesus is, amen, and allowing Jesus through the Holy Spirit to change my very life. Amen. Amen. To change my very life so that I am like him. Ooh. So I want to unpack this. I, I, I want to unpack this scripture in the next few minutes as I looked at this uh, and, 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 and talk about this because what Jesus is doing is he's, he's, he's developing these disciples. Now, if you notice at the end of this chapter, this is the end of the chapter, these last four, ver the last, yeah, four verses, okay, where Jesus is talking to Peter, all right, and his disciples. Now, Notice something. Verse 34 said, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples, with those men that were following him, that he had chosen to be disciples, all right? This is not just about calling us who are preachers of the gospel. It's calling all of us. Now, what Je the reason Jesus had to call the people to him is because the people have been walking with him and they've been hearing some things and they've been seeing some things, all right? And some things needed to change, all right? Some things needed to change, okay? So before he gets to talking about denying self, taking up the cross, and following him, he had to address some other issues that speaks to discipleship. Okay? Look at this. Look at this. You go back to the beginning of this chapter. All right. Uh, <laughs> now, it's important that we get this, all right, and that we see how this fits into the story of the Bible. Remember, God has called a people, called a people to be his own people, the Israelites, to be his own people so that he would have a people unto himself that he would prepare to reach other nations for him. And the Israelites misses what God wants to do. But God 
God's plans are never aborted because people miss God. Tell the person sitting next to you, say, person sitting next to me. God's plan will not be aborted if you miss God. God sends Jesus. God sends Jesus into this world. Amen? Jesus comes into the world and he comes to his own people, but his own people didn't receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gives a right to become the sons and daughters of God. Amen? So we see all of these different people in the Bible, the Syrophoenician woman, Greek-speaking woman, not Jewish, but God is working out in Jesus what he couldn't work out through the Israelites. So God then gives you and me an opportunity today to be a part of his plan to do what? To do what? To reach the nations for him. Amen. Amen, Walls. Put it together, saints. You follow me. Follow what I'm saying. Am I talking in Greek? Okay. All right. So follow me. Follow me what I'm saying. So God has given you and me a chance now today in 2018 to be a part of his plan for reaching the nations because Jesus will not come back until... Thank you. Until every tongue, every tribe, every people group have had an opportunity to hear this gospel. So being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that my perspective, first of all, has to be changed from coming being fed every Sunday to being, to being fed so that I can now go back out into my community and share this gospel message with others who don't know him as Savior and Lord. I've got to participate with God in what he's doing in the earth realm. I don't have to go to Russia. I don't have to go to Africa to do that. I can do it at home in my community. Because you have not traveled does not mean that, it, that, 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 that this mission has been negated in your life. So, so, the whole, tell your neighbor the whole Bible. Yeah. So Jesus, Jesus has to now deal with some things, and he, he's doing it throughout his teaching, but this, this chapter is a good example of what he deals with, all right? So in, 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 verse number, in, in verse number one through verse number 10, you see the feeding of the 4,000, okay? So you're seeing a miracle. You're seeing the power of God at work. You're seeing God taking little and making a whole lot out of it. Do you feel like you have a little to offer God? Well, offer it to him. Whatever you have to offer him, offer him. He gave it to you. Give it back to him. He didn't give you what you have to be, to use, to be used upon your own self and your selfish desires. He didn't give you the mind you have so you can go to college and you can get a good job and you can make money and you can live happily ever after. Every dime you have, God gave to you for the furtherance of his kingdom. And then he says, I will supply all your need. 
Y'all didn't get that. There's something, there is something liberating about realizing that everything you have belongs to the Lord and is for the glory of God. A slave mentality, that, that, that's, I shouldn't say a slave mentality, there is something confining, there is something restricting about thinking that what you have belongs to you and you have to watch over it so you can use it for yourself and make sure all your bills are paid. You know, just like there's no reason to, to manifest the Spirit of God in your life if you're going to sit down on the gifts. If all you want to do is speak in tongues so you can show somebody you're spiritual, there's no reason for you to have a real manifestation. So there's no reason for God to bless you with more if all you're going to do is use it upon yourself. If you give it away, <laughs> then God says, there's nobody, nobody in this world who's given up everything, mother, father, sister, brother, husband, wife, yea, even his own life, that has got, not gotten more in this life and then in the life to come. Are y'all following? You know, if you realize that everything you have belongs to the Lord and is available for his use, and you give it up, then God can give you more. He can give you more. We were on our way to Liberia, met this young man who was, who was being deported from the United States. He had nothing in his pocket. He, he came to the United States when he was two years old, got in trouble being deported, going back to Liberia with nothing. So I asked the guy, we got a chance to talk to the guys that were taking him, and I asked him, uh, after I talked to him, I said, it's okay if I give him some money. Now, now the money we raised, we needed for the trip. But I, I, the other young man that was with him had access to something. This man had nothing. He didn't even, he had a sister in Liberia, didn't even know the sister's number. So he's going back, being deported, going back to Liberia, going to be turned over to the Liberian authorities and not having any contact with anybody. So I was able, they gave me permission to let the young man call his mother to get his sister's number. And I asked him, can I give him some money? Can I give him some money? Now, mind you, we ran out of money twice on this mission. But every time we ran out of money, that was extra. I called back, and uh, Brother Tim was, was managing sending the money. I said, I need you to send me $300. I know we need some money for missions, but, but we're about to run out of money. Second time, I was counting out money. I was counting it. <laughs> my, my wife was saying, we got enough? I said, we're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be okay. My God shall supply all of our need. I didn't start doing this yesterday. Amen. And so, now I have this mobile app on my phone from the post office. So I know every bit of mail that comes to the house. So I looked on my app and looking at the mail every day. And somebody sent a check in the mail. I knew the lady's name. And I called Yesuto, sent him a message. I said, open the letter and see what's in it. It's just a greeting. It's okay. But if it's some money, we need some money. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. Amen. And sure enough, there was a check in there for $300. Amen. When I got ready to leave Kamasi the other day, I kept changing a little bit of money because you have to use CDs. You can't use U.S. dollars. And I was counting my money. And I changed my last. I had $135, and the hotel room was going to cost, uh, 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 cost about um, $80, and we had to get back to Kamasi, and I was counting my money. And so I changed down to 10 U.S. dollars. And I was able to save that $10 and give them, give them to, the, to the person at the airport who helped us with my wife getting through the airport. No, it's just a matter of trusting and, and you know, you know but, but what you have has to belong to God. It can't just belong to you. It has to belong to God because if it belongs to him, then he's able to give you more when the need comes but if, you, if what you have doesn't belong to him, when the need arises, he's not obligated to give you anything. You've been robbing from him all along anyway. You've been stealing from him anyway. You've been using what you have for yourself anyway. So in the time of need, then do what you've been doing. Whew. This discipleship thing is a lifelong process. It's a learning process. And, and I didn't get this overnight. I didn't get this overnight. Okay. If I may share, I was in a little conversation with my son. Yes, and he's telling him some things, nothing bad. You know, but I realize that when you go to college, you learn some things. I went to seminary, and I learned some things, all right? But all of it was bits and pieces. And I realized that, 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 that if you're not careful, and young people listen to me, when you go to college and you get different teachings and different perspectives, you got a little bit. You can't allow that to totally shape the way you think. So what I learned in college and what I learned in seminary and what I've learned al along the way has gone to make up where I am today, but I am a lifelong, almost from 10 years old, student of the Bible. Student of the Bible. I don't get upset with people and, 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 and falling out and, and, and fighting with people now over denominational issues. That's not even important because the Lord has shown me a different perspective. Oh, let me go back to the text. All this is a part of it, okay? Because Jesus feeds the, the, the 4,000, and, and, and we get excited over the miracle, but there's a purpose in this. Everything the Lord does has a purpose in it, all right? So, so let me walk back through this real quick, all right? So he, see, he feeds the, the 4,000, and they were able to, to um, uh, he didn't want to send anybody away hungry, uh, so it says, how many loaves? Seven loaves they had. He took the seven loaves, gave thanks, and he broke, blessed it and broke it, and they took up seven baskets full, okay? Uh, and so immediately he gets into the boat and goes to the other side. We preach about the miracle, but this is not the end of it. Jesus is doing something. So the next topic here says, the Pharisees seek for a sign. Oh, God knows your end from your beginning. 
God knew those disciples in. He knew where they were going. He knew what they needed. So now Jesus has performed the miracle. The, the Pharisees are looking for a sign. But for the disciples, he's already, he's already performed the miracle. And he tells his disciples as these Pharisees come and, 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 and try to challenge him. Um, he left them and get into the boat, went to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread. They had forgotten to take provision. But look at what Jesus said. Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they didn't know what he was talking about. But they've forgotten to take bread. But Jesus has just performed the miracle. They took up seven baskets full. You see, part of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod, but they don't have any faith in God. They miss what God is doing. They, don't even, they can't even see God. You be careful about people that you're dealing with that don't see God. Here you are, you come to worship every Sunday, but you're hanging out with people that don't see God. You're hanging out, going out to parties and stuff with people that don't know Jesus. And you're listening to that doctrine and their philosophies. It's living. It will, it, will, it, will, it will rise in your spirit and in your mind. Beware. Beware. It's not just young people, it's older people too. Who are your best buddies? It doesn't have to be people. It can be television. It can be music. It can be the books you're reading, the folk you're associating with. Beware of the leaven. And then, so, they took up this and they realized they got bread. What Jesus is doing, he's dealing with the mind and the spirit. All right? And then he comes to Bethsaida. And he heals a blind man. Put the pieces together. He spits on the ground, put the, puts the mud on the man's face, and the man doesn't see clearly, go back and heals him again. Completely heals him. So sometimes people in the church don't see clearly. His disciples were not seeing clearly. After he's done all of these things, they are not perceiving what he's doing. But he's, he's on a mission. He has to change their way of thinking. They, they've come up one way they, in their way of life, their way of living, their way of doing, their way of thinking, the way they've seen. And I see how God changed my life from the way I grew up as a child, the things I saw in Scripture as a young person, the things I saw in Scripture going to seminary, the things I saw in Scripture as I become an older person. But now... Heal my blind eyes. How many Christians are still blind to things of Scripture? Listen, if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord, he's going to change your total perspective. And just remember that it's a lifelong process. It's not going to happen overnight. What you think you know now, the Lord's going to show you something else. 
the Lord will blow your mind. Amen? Because most of you have not sat under a consistent teaching of the Bible. Amen? Word up, line upon line, precept upon precept. Some of you just got saved five years ago. That ain't long enough. Some of you got saved 10 years. That ain't long enough. Tell the person sitting next to you. person sitting next to you, me, that's not long enough. God's not finished with you yet. I challenge you to pick up your Bible and start reading every day the whole Bible. It's going to take time, but read it day in, day out. When you get to Revelation, start back at Genesis and go through it again. And when you get to Revelation, go back to Genesis and go through it again. And do it again, and do it again, and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. Because God is trying to give you his whole picture. So what we see here in this, in this chapter, there are things that have happened that need to be corrected, amen, so that their perspective has changed. You've seen it one way. You've, you, you, you've missed some things that I've been saying. I want you to get the full picture. I want you to see the whole thing. Before he starts talking about take up the cross and follow me, you got to change perspectives. And this is, first of all, it is a heart issue. I skipped something. Jesus said to Peter in this process of change, he said to the disciples, who do people say that I am? Some say. Huh. There's too many people in here have the testimony of what mama said, what daddy said. What do you say? When it comes to Jesus, what do you say? Mama's testimony is not good enough. Daddy's testimony is not good enough. What do you know for yourself? Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Being a disciple of Jesus is knowing the person Jesus. Jesus was a real person. Amen. He was a real person who walked the face of the earth. Yes, he was fully man. He was fully God. Do you know him? Have you spent time with him? Are you getting to know him? Jesus wants to know who do you say he is. And then he said to Peter, when Peter got the revelation, somebody shout revelation. The revelation was, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. But my Father, who's in heaven, this revelation has to come from God. But you got to walk with Jesus. You've got to walk with Jesus. And today, the only way you're going to walk with Jesus is get in this word. And allow his spirit to minister to you and lead you. And when you get in the word, some challenges are going to come to you, to your way of thinking, to your way of living, to your way of behaving. Ooh. So after he did all of this challenging, then he gets to the point where he says, if anyone, but notice now, he called the people, not just the disciples, the people, to him and said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, whoever desires to follow me, whoever desires to follow me, to be my disciple, to walk with me, okay? A lot of people are in the church, they don't want to walk with Jesus.
you want to walk with him. See? So what Minister Foreman said this morning, what Brother Trevor said this morning was so true. God is good. Not because of what he does for you. He's just good. If he never blesses you again, he's just good. You don't bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse so that the windows of heaven will open and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. You bring it because that is your responsibility. That's what you ought to do. That's a part of self-giving back to the one who's given. So then, when you look at this, when it gets down to this part that says, if you're going to follow me, anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow. So then when you look at this and you realize that, that what Jesus is saying is that if you're going to follow me, your very heart has to be changed. You will not deny yourself until your heart is changed. Your will, your emotions, all of that's wrapped up in your intellect. That has to change if you're going to follow me. All of this stuff that you've learned, all of your traditions, all of these people, uh, ungodly people that you followed, if you're going to be my disciple, your heart has to change. From following all of that, you have to turn to me. Being a disciple, being a Christian is a heart issue. It's a relationship issue. God says, I will no longer write my covenant or my commandments on tablets of stone. I will write them in your heart. Now, the heart is deceitful. Above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So be careful now. Be careful now. Don't just think that you're following your mind or your heart. That's why he gave you the word. That's why you got to get in the word and you got to read the whole thing so that you know that you're following the Lord and not your own mind. Now, if my heart is not willing to change, I can be baptized 1,000 times. And still be a child of the devil. Water does not change us. So if I'm going to be a disciple of Christ, it's a heart issue. This desperately wicked part of me, this selfish part of me, And let me tell you something. The Lord will send you through stuff. He loves you. Okay? He really loves every one of us. He wants us. If we've, if, if we've heard the gospel and we want to follow, he wants us to follow him. But he has to take us through some stuff. Some of the stuff he takes us through is really hard. Sometimes you wonder, God, why am I going through so much? Don't ask why. 
Bishop Will would say this, don't ask why, ask what. God, what are you doing? God, what do you want out of me? God, what do you want to change in me? What? What? Because God wants to change us. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue, church. You know why we fall out with one another? Because our hearts are not right. You know why we won't forgive? Because you're going to fall out with people. My wife said, sometimes we can't stand each other. I think she can't stand me more than I can't stand her. But that's right. <laughs> but, but, because the Holy Spirit has changed our hearts, we see beyond the natural, beyond the flesh. It's easy to go to divorce court. It's challenging to stay married in the midst of. I'm not speaking against anybody. I'm just talking. It's a hard issue. And it ties into being his disciple. If I'm a disciple of the Lord, what am I willing to endure? What am I willing to go through? You know, what am I willing to allow the Lord to change in my life? Because I've learned some things growing up that need to be changed. I've learned some things on the journey. I've encountered people. I've learned some good things. I've learned some bad things. But if I'm going to follow Jesus, if I'm going to be his disciple, then it's his way that must be followed. Deny self, take up his cross, and follow me. And then it's, 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 once this, this change of heart comes, there's the commitment that must be made. I didn't come to do my will. I hear the Lord say, Jesus said, I came to do the will of him who sent me. Commit. He was committed to the Father's will. So many times, saints, with this heart issue and this perspective issue, comes to that commitment to following Jesus. What am I going to do with all of this information that I've gotten? What am I going to do with the fact that the Spirit of God now lives in me and he's working his way and his will out in my life. Am I going to persist in my own way? Or am I going to allow him to do what he wants to do in me? Life is challenging. We navigate through a whole lot of things as we go through life. We have to make the right decisions. And the only way we will make the right decisions, and that's why from the youngest to the oldest in here, we need to be committed to reading this word Amen. and seeing God's whole story.
Jesus Christ is critical. So he says to us today, not if you're going to be a church member. He says, if you're going to be my disciple. Your heart has to be changed. Your perspective on life and living, on everything you know, has to be changed. The things you thought you knew. In our class this morning, this is the last thing I'm going to say. We were talking about um, this whole issue of, of how the text fits. And the author was giving examples of how we've taken Scripture out of context. And we've used Scriptures as doctrines. We made them doctrines. And the whole thing about uh, what Jesus said, I think it's in Matthew chapter 5, judge not. You be not judged. And how we've used that. You know, and this generation today says, don't judge me. Don't judge me. But we don't read that whole passage of Scripture because it gets down into that passage of Scripture and it talks about you, you having a, a, a beam in your eye and you did them with the person who has a speck in his eye. He said, first get the beam out of your eye then you'll see clearly how to get the speck out of the other person's eye. So what he's actually saying is we have to judge people. We have to judge situations, okay? But deal with yourself first. Get the beam out of your eye so you can see clearly how to get the speck out of the other person because that other person still needs the speck out of their eye. So the ministry of Christ, <laughs> hallelujah, amen, is to help us so we can help other people. So the, this whole generation today that's saying, don't judge me, they got it wrong. We got to judge them. But we got to start with self first. Being a disciple of Jesus, part of it is getting the, getting the beam out of our eyes. So whatever beam you have in your eye, get it out. Because God wants to use you to help somebody else. This whole process, we talk about winning souls and making disciples. Winning souls, making disciples. Winning souls, making disciples. It's difficult because we don't have enough disciples to go around. Because too many people in the body are not giving themselves to being a disciple or being made into a disciple. And it takes time. And it's challenging. And it's hard work. Sometimes you got to see Jesus coming and say, Lord, is that you? Let me come and walk on the water. He said, come on. And you step out there and the wind start blowing. The waves start tossing. And then you get scared because you start looking at the elements. And you start sinking. But he's right there to pull you back up. Then you have the testimony, at least I walked on the water. It took me to another place in him. I had to get out of this boat. Some of us are in a boat of security, of safety, with things that we know, things that we're comfortable with. We're comfortable with our family. We're comfortable with the food that we eat. We're comfortable with the things that we know. The Lord wants you out of that boat. 
so you can be his disciple. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. And it's a journey. It's a long journey. It's a long journey. Don't think you know everything. You don't know everything. You're still learning. You've heard some things. You studied a few scriptures. Stay in it, though. Continue it. Continue. Be open. I thank the Lord for what he's done for me and what he's done in my life because he's taught me to be humble before him and to know that I don't know everything. Some scriptures ring deep in my mind. And one is, as Paul talks about pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. At the, at the, he gets down in there, he says, if any, let as many of us as are mature have this mind. And if any of you be otherwise minded, God will reveal even this unto you. So there have been times I've had another mind, but I knew to keep my mouth shut and to stay open to the Spirit of God so that he could reveal truth to me. Amen. So, don't be so argumentative sometimes. Sit and learn. You're just a young whippersnapper. I'm serious. Sometimes I sit back and I look at those old preachers that we used to think were so hard. Uh, Dr. W.B. Knox, who was a real... Some of y'all may know him. Just old, seemed like he was mean and, and stern, you know. And, and one time he said, one preacher said, boy, you got to make up your mind whether you're going to sing or whether you're going to preach. And I looked at him and said, I'm a worshiper. I can do both. But I got older, and I had polypus on my vocal cords. And, 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 and my voice started you know, I can't do what I used to do. I used to be able to hit notes like Michael Jackson. I can't hit those notes like that no more. <laughs> but God gave me a voice to preach the gospel. And what the old preachers said now make a whole lot of sense. And when they were trying to preserve the doctrine, even though sometimes they were preserving the Baptist way, they saw danger creeping in the church, and they tried to preserve some things. They tried to, they tried to show us the right way, and, and, and sometimes we were rebellious, only to get 40 years in ministry and realize now I'm the old man. Now I'm the old man. There are not many pastors around that have been pastoring 40 years. Now I see, and I see young people rising up, and I see stuff creeping in. And it's, it's bringing error to the church, which means if it brings error to the church, it brings error to the faith. And if your faith is not solid, 